Simple Life Together, Episode 6, Going Paperless and Making the Most of a Small Living Space. Hi, and welcome to Simple Life Together, a podcast dedicated to leading a simpler life in the modern world. I'm Dan Hayes. And I'm Vanessa Hayes. Welcome back to Simple Life Together. On the last show, we talked about the one secret to accomplishing anything and some laws of simplicity. This week, we're going paperless with Brooks Duncan and covering some great tips on making the most of a small living space. And once again, we got some amazing feedback from you, our listeners, and we'll get to that a little later in the show. Well, we're going to change up the format a little bit today since we have a very special guest joining us. Yeah, our very first guest. (laughs) We put the word out to a few experts we need to be interested in hearing from because they are masters in their fields and sure to give you great advice on specific topics to help you simplify your life. And that's exactly what we're all here for, right? That's what we're here for, right? (laughs) Today, Brooks Duncan of DocumentSnap will be joining us on the show. Brooks helps people go paperless. That's right, folks. Paperless. Paperless. Yeah, it's a little scary, huh? (laughs) Vanessa and I first met Brooks at Chris Guillebeau's First World Domination Summit in June of 2011. Brooks and I also ran into one another at the first Evernote Trump conference in San Francisco. When was that? Back in uh, August August of 2011. Yeah. And that's really where I said to myself, this guy really has got it going on when it comes to going paperless. I like that. I remember I came back and I told you, I was like, man, Brooks is all over this. (laughs) Yep. So so he'll be on the show. So we're looking forward to that. Yes. So we'll let Brooks tell you more, but I'll start off by letting you know that Brooks Duncan helps people go paperless at documentsnap.com. There he writes about tools, workflows, and taking action. He's a certified management accountant and a former computer programmer and software support manager. Brooks lives in beautiful and rainy Vancouver, British Columbia. Which, come to find out, is not in Britain or Columbia. Seriously, I I looked it up. It's in Canada. Are you kidding me? It is. It is. Yeah. Well, Brooks, I was going to call you out on that, but I did some checking, and uh, it it turns out that our capital here in the states isn't located anywhere near Columbia either. So I don't know why they call it Washington D.C. Oh, you're killing me. Oh, Oh, geez. So anyway. Brooks, welcome to the show. Jeez. Thanks so much. Sure, buddy. We're going to go through some questions with you and then um, just dying to hear some of your answers because we've looked through uh, your website a lot. Of course, we've talked before. I I mentioned earlier that we met up at at Chris Guillebeau's World Domination Summit and then... Evernote Conference. And then you and I ran into each other at the Evernote Trunk Conference, which I didn't get to go to this year. You went though, didn't you? I did. I basically followed Dan around from conference. To conference. <laughs> uh, so this last Evernote conference, I just I didn't know what to do with myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> I there, I know. <laughs> well, you better make it a point That's to go right. next See, time. See, I should have I should have went. I should have. Uh-huh. I didn't mean to leave you hanging, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, so Brooks, I read a little bit about your bio, but in your own words, uh, if you could tell us who you are and how do you make people's lives simpler. So I do run my uh, my website documentsnap.com. It started. Basically, as a, a blog, as I was going through the process of going paperless, and I couldn't find any one place that kind of had all the information I was looking for, so I decided to start one myself. Uh, and it's kind of grown from that hobby, personal blog uh, to where it is now. I live up in Vancouver, where it is, in fact, pouring rain at the moment. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. <laughs> in December. Um, and I really t- try focusing on 
helping people go paperless to the extent that they feel comfortable and doing it in uh, in plain English yeah. or at least you know our Canadian version of English <laughs> uh, and really turn their paper into an organized electronic system. That's what I try to do. That is cool. So is it is it really possible to go paperless? What about like tax paperwork and receipts and contract? You know all that stuff that those documents that people have been married to forever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well. I mean, paperless itself is really, a t- honestly, a terrible word because it it sets up kind of a false expectation that that you know we're able to, or at least we'd even want to, eliminate 100% of the paper from our lives. And right. anyone who started down that path will find that it's not, it's just not possible, or right. at least not practical. Wow, good point. Uh, so the idea is to kind of get as as close as you can that you feel comfortable with. Right. Uh, so there, you know, the, you gave some great examples of of things that people uh, people raise all the time, and and a big one is tax paperwork. Yes, that's what I deal with a lot with my clients. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I want to start with saying, you know, I'm neither a tax accountant nor a tax lawyer. Sure. Yes, uh, I say the same thing. I <laughs> protect I yourself. American, but. <laughs> I, my understanding, actually, is in the United States, um, you're quite lucky in that the IRS will accept, in many cases, scanned receipts. Right. Uh, and I have some some bulletins that the IRS has put out that I can give you to, links to for for your show notes. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. But what I usually recommend that people do is is talk to their tax expert, whether it for their jurisdiction, their state, or their right. country, or whatever, you know, their CPA or their lawyer, uh, and ask them kind of what they have to say and how they like to work. That's great um, advice, I know, yeah. I know some of my readers just say, you know, forget it, I'm, I'm going completely digital, uh, which is cool if that's what they want to do. And for other people, uh, they just feel more comfortable. You know, you, you can still scan your documents and have them searchable and all that stuff. And maybe even that's how you interact with your whoever is doing your taxes. Mm-hmm. But you might want to have the paper kept aside in a box somewhere just in case the right. auditors can come asking. Right. Yes, yeah, the um, so whole comfort level thing. Yeah, it's really a comfort level thing and I just usually recommend that people see how what their tax expert for their jurisdiction has to say. Um, in Canada it's a, it's a lot easier um, though not necessarily in a good way. Um, our version of the IRS has said all records have to be retrievable in their original form with oh, that wow. electronic. Oh. We have no choice. We have to hang on to it. But right. in some cases, uh, the IRS is a bit more advanced. So how all far, three of those. How far back do you have to go with your taxes, though? I know for us, as a kind of a little rule, I guess it's about seven years for basically your home taxes, yeah. your personal taxes, that is. How far back does it go for, for you and yeah, me? Yeah, same. I think it's six or seven okay. years. Okay. I was just curious. Okay. Um, for receipts, I get asked that question a lot. Uh, you know, do stores have to take back scanned receipts? Um, and I guess it would depend on the consumer laws in, in your area, but mm-hmm. it, I don't think the stores really have to do anything. <laughs> um, it really depends on each store's policy. Right. Uh, one of my readers gave me a really good tip. It was in uh, the interview for one of my, my products, a paperless document organization guide, and uh, his name is David Levy. And when he's buying something, he asks the store whether they accept scanned receipts, and then he writes their answer on the receipt. Um, That's great. Yeah. Later, he knows whether he needs to keep it or not. Uh, What I personally do is I hang on to paper receipts for any, you know, major purchases Uh or anything it might be likely that I would need to return. I tend to hang on to the paper receipt. I just throw it in a folder called purchases. But 
everything else I just scan and shred. Okay, yeah, you know, Brooks, that's actually what we use too. We have an action file where I kind of hold all of my papers and, and receipts, and I've got one for tax receipts, and I've got one just for my personal receipts. And what I do is once a month, that's when I sit down and do my bills, I just kind of reconcile my receipts, figure out which ones I want to keep and which ones I want to scan and, and use. So I love that idea. Yeah, that's it. It's a great way to do it. Um, you were mentioning about contracts, and contracts is another another big one. And really, what you can do, you know, it's it's the worst thing when when you need to sign some something. So somebody will email it to you, email you a PDF. You have to print it out, sign it, scan it back in, and and send it back, or even worse, yeah, fax it. Right. <laughs> um, but what you can do is with Preview that's built in with the Mac or Acrobat Reader, which it, which is on Windows, or I use an application on the Mac called PDF Pen, you can actually drop a, a copy of your digital signature onto a PDF and send it right back to the person without having to print anything out. Oh, that's nice. So, awesome. Yeah, I personally do that all the time. Um, if you want something that has a bit more of an audit trail, you can use, there's lots of services out there. I know a, a popular one is called DocuSign, and it basically tracks every step of the way. Yeah, we did that with uh, when we closed down a house. We I did forgot. The yeah, yeah. DocuSign is really big in the real estate industry. And I was at the, the BoxWorks conference this fall for a company called Box.com, and I sat in on this session about electronic signatures and contracts. Um, and they were saying that these, because one thing that people always worry about is, will these signatures hold up in court? And this session anyway was saying that these any lawsuits revolving around e-signatures actually never makes it to court because the amount of data that you get around electronic signatures is so much more than what they call a wet signature. Oh, I can you imagine. Know, something that we sign. Yeah. That it just, uh, you know, it just never even gets there. Yeah, it's a total digital uh, trail, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of funny that at our level, the individuals and small businesses, we have a lot of hand-wringing about signatures and contracts. Um, but for these slightly larger companies, it's a complete uh, solved problem. They jumped into that stuff right away because they see how much efficiency <laughs> there is. I bet they would. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. The money they save in just yeah, it's yeah. Actually, effort. Yeah, in that in that session that I was talking about, uh, they were talking about HP, and they were saying that in their sales organization, they had a goal that they wanted their average time to sign a contract down from three weeks to twenty eight hours. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and that's just using digital signatures, and their goal to have it have it done in 24 hours so it's a it's a definitely big time saver yeah yeah um you were talking about and and you put it a a really good way you know documents that people are married to Uh and it's funny how these pieces of paper just gain such an emotional significance to us and it's really no different than any other type of clutter i'm I'm sure vanessa you deal with it all the time yes as a professional organizer i do (laughs) we we associate feelings with these things and you guys i'm sure you guys are familiar with a book by peter walsh it's called it's all too much ah it's one of my favorites yes yeah yeah Yeah. it's a really great book it's not specifically about going paperless but it's about clutter in general and it just does such a good job addressing the issue of the emotional side of clutter and how to deal with that. That's right. Um, I do an online course every couple of months called the Paperless Action Plan. And when we talk about this stuff, we talk about, I basically just say, if you're dealing with these type of issues, just go to the library and take out that book. <laughs> it's, it's really, really helpful. So, yeah, it's smart. It's amazing how much value we place on just certain things, especially paper, Just even just a little receipt from Taco Bell. I mean, really? Yeah. How important yeah. is, that? is that receipt? If it's not tax-related, you just need to let it go right away. Right. And guys, yeah. guys will keep that in their wallet until it's like 
as thick as a phone oh, yeah. book, you know? Yeah, until their wife gets so, through it and sorts it out for them. <laughs> yeah, trust me, Brooks, there's nothing left in my wallet when my wife's done. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, so, Brooks, how do you recommend that uh, people get started with going paperless? Um, first, I recommend that. And, and this is hard for me because I'm a geek and I like jumping in with technological <laughs> solutions. Yep. But uh, what I recommend that people do is think about where they are now and what are they trying to accomplish? Where are they looking to get to? Because that's going to be really helpful as they go through the process and figure out, uh, you know, they hit some steps along the way and they'll make sure to help them keep on track. And then I recommend that people think about what paper can they eliminate? It's fine dealing with the paper that you have. But if you can cut out the source of the paper, it makes it a lot easier. So things like switching to paperless billing when it makes sense, cutting off junk mail and catalogs and all that sort of stuff. That's super helpful. Um, Once you've done that, from my perspective, it's kind of a three-part process. Okay. The first is you look at how you capture your paper. So usually that's with a scanner or something like that. You're digitizing your paper using a scanner. Um, Nowadays with smartphones, the cameras are getting so good and the scanning apps are getting so good that a mobile phone actually makes a functional scanner as well. Yeah, they are getting much better, aren't they? Yeah, actually, matter of fact, my client just yesterday was taking a picture with her iPad and um, saving all her documents to Evernote. And I was like, sweet, great, (laughs) whatever works. Absolutely. Uh, Once you've captured the information, then you want to give some thought to how you're going to organize your information. So whether that's using files and folders on your computer, whether that's using a piece of software, however makes sense to you to have some sort of organization system so that you can find the information that you need when you need it. And then the final and most important phase, from my mind, even if you mess up everything else, (laughs) um, the important thing is to protect your information. Make sure documents are backed up, preferably in multiple places, so that if something happens, and it probably will with computers, um, don't lose your information. Yeah, about two or three shows ago, we had a, uh, we discussed that as well. Yeah. (laughs) Ask me how I know. (laughs) You know, Brooks, I mean, it's really, I, I love the tips because it's, it's kind of methodical and it's actually, it goes in line with how I organize like physical clutter. Number one, what is your goal? What is the end state? What do you want your space or your things to look like? And then you can kind of work backwards from there. And then, of course, the first step too, or the next step is to let's edit. Let's edit our possessions. Let's edit what we don't need. Let's get rid of that clutter and get it out of here. And then you can really focus on what's left and what's remaining and what's the most important. So I really like that that process. Brooks, did I, uh, I wrote down capture, organize, and protect. Is, are those the three pillars there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. So now that people know how to kind of get started, well, what does a, a typical workflow look like? Or, or is there a typical one? Or are there lots of different workflows? What does it look like? Well, there's definitely lots of different workflows. What's important is people need to do the kind of workflow that makes sense to them and works for them because there's nothing worse. Because this is like any other life change. And right. again, I'm sure this is very similar to, to quote unquote regular professional organizing that mm-hmm. if you kind of try to shoehorn somebody into a system, they might start on it, but it needs to work for them with their situation Absolutely. for them to stick to, stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a pretty common workflow that worked for me and for a lot of my readers is what you want to do is start by capturing your documents into some sort of central folder uh, or central location. I call mine inbox, but you know, call it whatever you want. Um, and I recommend that people do this 
put it on their calendar, put it in their to-do list, making it, make it a regular occurrence so that they know, oh, it's, you know, Wednesday afternoon, time to do my scanning or whatever. Right. So that it, it's something that it always on top of mind. Then maybe that same regular interval, go through and process your electronic inbox, which is naming the files with a consistent and descriptive naming convention, and then storing them in whatever filing system makes sense to them. And what, one reason I like doing it that way, having putting things in an inbox and then processing, is it allows for automation and it just allows you the ability to remove as much friction from the process as possible. Ideally, these documents are stored as PDFs and are searchable so that you can find them later. Uh, and of course, we talked about backups and you want your backup to be as automatic as possible because usually when these backups fail, it's usually not the backup failing. Uh-huh. It's usually human induced. You know, usually right. we forget to something or mess something up. So I know people can find out a lot about naming files and different naming conventions that you recommend in the paperless document organization guide. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, I like that too. And actually, when I was reading that uh, product that you have, I was like, Wow, you because I you know I've been doing most of the the scanning of our important documents and I do that once a month. That's my workflow or my routine. But what I wasn't doing was I wasn't really batching the tasks as far as just scan the documents and put them into that central you know location or you call it the inbox or what I was doing I was I was naming it right away and it was taking me a yeah. long time. So I really liked that. I totally took that away. I'm going. I'm doing that next time. <laughs> I'm going to make sure just you know do that first and then I mean I do have the appointment with myself that I do it. You know the 15th of the month. That's what I'm going to do or around that time. The middle of the month, that's when I get my stuff done. But I'm going to start doing it the way you recommend to where I have that central location first. And then the next step is to, then you can kind of name them and categorize them and whatnot and put them in the right place. If you don't have very much, many documents and you're just doing it kind of on mostly one-offs, uh-huh. then yeah, of course. I mean, naming it as you're doing it makes a lot of sense. But right. if you're dealing with a lot of paper, either as a big catch-up project or, you know, you're just on a regular basis dealing with lots of paper, I find it really helpful to batch these tasks. And then you can get into some automation stuff as well. Vanessa and I were talking before we got you on Skype, and one of the things that she said she wanted to ask was, um, once you get into this and you're going to start, do you start with what you have now, or do you try to play catch-up, or to get a routine, or how... When you start, I guess my my thing is just kind of like what I do with my clients is when we start any kind of a big project, I say, well, let's work on what's the most current. Let's start establishing a a workflow or a a new routine right now. Let's work on the most important right now, which is kind of the incoming stuff. And then we can deal with the backlog later. Is that something that you would probably recommend too? That is exactly what I recommend. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Yay. Um, Yeah, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because then you kind of have less moving parts and you can refine your system with less input. So that's number one. And number two is people associate a lot of stress. You know, they wouldn't be even tackling this project if there wasn't some sort of stress or, or negativity associated with their backlog. So let's start on the new stuff, deal Good. with that, and then you can worry about the other stuff later. I think yep. it's, yeah, Absolutely. I think that's smart. Refine the process, and then when you find time, and that's because the idea here is to help you save time and kind of an efficient process to where when you have that free pocket of time, then you can start tackling that backlog a little bit here and there. So, cool. Well, Brooks, I... I think your article on your website, though, We Are Our Own Worst Enemy When Going Paperless, is fantastic. And I was wondering if you could take a few moments and describe some of the challenges people face when they start going paperless. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that article was funny. That article came directly out of uh, that conference that we were both at. Both at. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, and I think you two are even in the picture that's in that. Yes, with Leo <laughs> Babata from yeah. Human Habits. Post, yeah. I'm sitting on the grass <laughs> standing up behind me. Um, cool. And it was funny I, it, that that post crystallized out of this in that when we don't know what to do, we start coming up with excuses not to actually take action. So we get so nervous about, oh, I need to have the perfect folder structure or what should my folders be named and that sort of stuff. And we we just read all these blog posts and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. And we we never actually take action. Right. So that's kind of where this that post came from. And as far as biggest challenges, um, I actually asked I do a survey of my readers, both on the blog and the newsletter every year. And that's the first question that I ask is basically, what's your biggest challenge with going paperless? Mm. And it's quite interesting. The The answer that I expected, uh, which is what I got, the biggest challenge that people have is what I just said, figuring out how to organize their documents. Mm -hmm. right. That's the biggest challenge. Um, but then the other one is finding the time to do it. So those are those are the two biggest challenges that people feel that wow. feel that they have. The organization one though, I would say really has its root in fear. Like I just said, they they want the quote unquote best organization system because they're afraid that the stuff that they're filing away, they're never going to be able to find again. So it's it's a lot of fear basis, I think. Yeah, I guess it really does seem kind of obvious as far as uh it's, it's that thing with fear all the time. Right. You know? Fear mm -hmm. is like the whole, you know, it's kind of like the analysis paralysis of trying to figure out what system is going to work best for them. And then they just, they get yep. into this info overload and instead of just stopping, trying to make it easy, take a breath and just yep. take action. Right. You know, just, just do something. <laughs> Let's move forward. Exactly. A little bit of momentum. You're, you're going to be all right. But yeah, I think that fear of, of not being perfect and not having that perfect system really kind of is an inhibitor to to the folks trying to take action on this. So what recommendations do you have to folks about equipment? I know there's probably lots of options out there. I was just yeah. was curious about your thoughts on that. Sure. Um, so people think they need a lot of fancy, or sometimes people think they need a lot of fancy equipment to start going paperless. You really, really don't. Uh, a lot of us have these all-in-one scanners, and you can certainly get started with that sort of thing. If you're going to start making this a priority and really getting into it, though, uh, especially if you have a, a reasonable volume of paper to deal with, I recommend picking up a scanner, if you can swing it, that can scan your documents double-sided right. in one shot yes. and has a document feeder. That will make a really big difference in removing friction from your workflow. And it will, I mean, it sounds strange that two simple features like that can make a big difference to you sticking with it. But when this stuff is annoying, then your brain is like that's Seth Godin, Stephen Pressfield, lizard brain. <laughs> the lizard thing. brain, yeah. The lizard brain, right? You're going to start coming up with excuses like to go watch Breaking Bad or something like that <laughs> instead of you know, processing your documents. Right. So I really recommend, if you can, to invest in a scanner that has those two features, double-sided and a document feeder. Okay. Um, the one that I personally use is part of the Fujitsu Scan Snap line of scanners. Uh, they work on both Mac and Windows. The one I personally use is called the S1300i, uh, which I think is about $260 on Amazon. That's a really good one. And it's a small is that a small portable one too? Uh, yeah, it's about a mid-sized one. Oh, okay. it, it holds 10 sheets of paper at a time, right. uh, and it, but it is double-sided and documented. I think that's the one that we have. Yeah, it's a little white yeah. one, white and silver, I think. And, oh, well, uh, might be a current, we have an older model. Yeah, we have an older model. <laughs> yeah. 
We love um, it too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a project, I've been playing with the one that's one model up from that, which okay. is the S1500 or the S1500M, uh, depending on if you use Mac or Windows, although they both work cross-platform. Oh, really? Uh, those ones are about $400, and it is remarkably faster oh. and holds more paper. Wow. Uh, I think it holds 50 sheets. Wow. Um, so if you, if you deal with a lot of paper, uh, you may want to look at bumping up a level. Um, but if it's just for home use, I really like this the S1300i. There's lots of other good scanners too. If those price points are too high and you don't have that much paper, another scanner I like is the little Doxy scanners. I just reviewed one that they just released a couple weeks ago called the Doxy One, uh, and that's $150. Okay. It's a nice, simple little scanner. It only scans, it's not dual-sided and it doesn't have a document feeder, so it kind of goes advanced against the advice that I just gave. But <laughs> You don't have very much paper at, or you just can't afford one of these higher level scanners. It's not a bad choice. I, I like it. Very cool. Very simple. What about any, um, any mobile device or app recommendations? Uh, yeah, I use, I keep changing my mind on which, I do a lot of scanning with my iPhone, actually. Me too. For most of my scanner scanning, I use my ScanSnap. But, you know, if I get a paper from my kid's backpack from school or whatever, uh, and I just want to capture it quickly, uh, I use my iPhone. And there's a lot of different scanning apps. I keep changing my mind which one I, I'm using. But sure. uh, lately, I've liked one called Scanner Pro. Yeah. Uh, and also TurboScan is a good one. Um, and there's a free one, which is also really good, called Genius Scan. So, so that's a good way to get started with this stuff. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, on Android, I'm not an Android user, but in the summer I did a post where I compared a bunch of Android apps. And the one I liked the best at the time was, was called Document Scanner. So Good stuff. I'm writing this down as we go. Make sure <laughs> we can pass it on. So I got to be candid here, and I don't want to. I don't want to sound um, too fluffy, but man, we bought your uh, paperless document organization guide, and I honestly felt guilty for paying <laughs> how little I paid for that because it really is. I guess that's what I was alluding to earlier. Just just even the advice on the naming conventions. I, I know for people who don't have their documents organized, they can waste an awful lot of time trying to find out. document. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that too. You break it down to simple steps, easy to understand. It's not like super techy or anything like that. And so I think it's it's brilliant. It's a really simple document that people can really use. What other courses do you have? Yeah, so I have a uh, for the scan snap that I was just talking about. Um, that the help on that. Uh, not that the help is bad, but it's uh, let's just say there's a lot of it. Right. Um, so what I did is I wrote an unofficial scan snap guide. Kind of takes you through in plain English how I recommend people set it up and how it you know, how to, how to use it. So it's called the unofficial ScanSnap setup guide. Um, so people tend to like that one a lot. Actually, as a result of that, we are our own worst enemy when going paperless post. And that session we sat in at Leo Babelta's session, I created an online course called the Paperless Action Plan, uh, which is, and the reason I, I created it was for exactly that that reason is to kind of help people focus on what it is they need to do to actually take action on this stuff. So I do a session of that every couple of months. I don't have one scheduled right now, but I'll probably be doing it in the new year. People can sign up to be notified when I'm going to do it. That's great. Speaking of that, I know we get your newsletter and you have so much good information in your newsletter too. How do people sign up for that? Oh yeah, you can just go to documentsnap.com and sign up. There's a box on the right hand or right in the middle of the screen, actually. Um, yeah, I, so what I tend to do is I send tips every two weeks to the to the newsletter that don't make it onto the blog, and and I, I try to make it as useful as I, as I can. That's it is it's fantastic and uh, and funny too. <laughs> 
I, I, what, what, I see him smiling over here. What are you smiling I, at? Because I, you know, I, I mean, I, I like to have fun. I laugh. I have a pretty good sense of humor. Yeah. But, but Brooks, I, I got to admit, I snorted when, uh, <laughs> when you wrote a, when you wrote a, happy Thanksgiving, happy, thanks, happy Thanksgiving, you know, here in Canada, uh, we call it Thursday. <laughs> 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 our, our, our pilgrims came to Canada a month earlier, so our right. in October. <laughs> that, was that was so funny. I'm just sitting in, in here in the office. Vanessa's on the other side, and I just like snorted. So, that's good stuff. Yeah, you know these these email newsletters can be kind of boring, so I, I try to keep it as entertaining as I can. You've got to. You do a great job of it. That's for sure. Well, Brooks, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, no, that's about it. Um, one thing that people might be interested in is I've just started doing a session, a series of webinars where I kind of share my screen and I take people through exactly how I use nice focused parts of going paperless. So I just did the first one two weeks ago about the Mac application Hazel. And the reason I bring it up is because I was talking earlier about automating and how that how having your stuff in a central location really helps with automation. So uh, people can go in and check out the recording of that if they want. They can just go to documentsnap.com and hit the store link at the top and it will. they can check out the recording. And I'm going to be doing more of those in the new year because people seem to really like being able to kind of see my screen as I do things. So that's something for people to be aware of. Other than that, thank you so much. I oh, really, Brooks, guys, it's wow. been great. Thanks so much for taking the time. And so w- you mentioned documentsnap.com. That's your main website for people to reach you, correct? Yeah. And uh, you're, I know you're on Twitter at, uh, at documentsnap and at Brooks Duncan, both, correct? Yeah, documentsnap is where I you know, kind of post my new posts and, and share articles and links and stuff like that. Um, Brooks Duncan is more my personal account. So there's some of that and there's complaining about the lack of hockey right now. And- <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> but you guys are getting ready for the curling season though, right? Yeah, Isn't that right. good? Everybody's right. getting their broom squared away. And- <laughs> See, I'm from Buffalo originally. I know we uh, live in Texas now, but I'm from Buffalo. So, I mean, I spent a know- lot of time in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Oh, and you got a Facebook uh, page, don't you, too? Sure do. Uh, just facebook.com slash document snap. Yep. Great. Well, great. We're certainly going to uh, to recommend this out to folks. You're um, the subject matter expert on this. So. Oh, yeah. We appreciate it. It's a wealth of information. I've already referred a couple of clients to your site. So hopefully oh, they'll so be, much. yeah, you're welcome. Hopefully they'll be uh, taking a lot of your advice and, and maybe tuning into some of those webinars and whatnot. So thank you so awesome. much. So folks, yeah. if you have anything for Brooks Duncan, make sure you uh, get a hold of him on Twitter or on his Facebook page or at documentsnap.com. Thanks Thanks again, Brooks. Brooks. Thank you. So for shows where we have a guest, we'll be doing a combined topic discussion. And today we decided to talk about our longer term plans of simplifying our lives. We have plans to build what we thought would be our dream home, all 2,500 to 3,000 square feet of it. (laughs) Of course, we wanted it to be as energy efficient as we could get it using passive solar, adding photovoltaic, solar thermal panels, geothermic heat and AC, you name it. This is all stuff that Dan told me about. (laughs) I'm just going with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We bought a beautiful lot in the Texas Hill Country. So we have just under four acres for a front yard and 9,200 acres for a backyard. Yeah. yeah overlooking a valley. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. Huge. Well, <laughs> we should probably explain the uh, 9,200 acres isn't exactly ours, but uh, it might as well be. It belongs to, to the people of Texas since it's a um, it's called Government Canyon State Natural Area. And it really is pretty amazing. Yeah. The, the line, actually, we have a, a fencing line there. It says... 
you know, government property yeah. type thing. So well, anyway. You know, we came to the realization that as beautiful as it all sounded, what we really, really wanted was to live a more simple life. And we'll get into that a little bit too. Our new dream home is now like 1,200 square feet max, max. Uh, hopefully smaller. Yeah. And that allows us the flexibility to travel when our, when our kids aren't in school. Well, the um, place that we bought requires a minimum of 2,000 square feet for a home. So, And we knew that going into it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I guess our dreams just kind of changed. They did, yeah. For the better, I think. And uh, so we'll sell the land when the time is right. We don't have it actively on the market or anything, but I did build a little website for it. It's a cool website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and um, and we've had some folks that are really really interested in it, but like I said, it's not actually on the market yet. We're just kind of we're listing it there. We really want the right people to have it. Yeah. Someone will absolutely love that place, and that's and that's what we really hope for. Well, let me let me kind of explain why we wanted to simplify our lives. You know, because we were on this path of having this this dream home, and we were planning all the green building along with it and of course you know dan and i do like quality things yeah, and, and so design we, we'd like we do love design for the last five years we have actively been planning this and just kind of designing the home but then some things kind of changed in our lives and yeah. but we're still going to do a lot of that design just kind of on a smaller scale right right exactly i mean we, we absolutely that's a priority for us but we realized at the size that we wanted, it would be a lot of cost and a lot of upkeep. And that yeah. was just something that we decided that we really didn't want that. We wanted it to be a little bit more simple. Yeah. Again, we've, we've talked about this before, that we just didn't want to be a slave to the house. And that's what it was becoming because it was just getting so big. Uh. Well, to us, big. <laughs> and so we also realized that we wanted to do more traveling and we wanted to put more resources, our money resources, towards travel versus the cost of the home. Right. Because, you know, you spend the money initially to um, to build the home. Right. And then there's that whole process, which we're still going to have. We're still going to go through. It's just on a smaller scale. And then there's the upkeep and right. everything that goes along with it. Then there's the heating and the cooling. And even with all the energy efficient stuff, the bottom line is it just it's just more than we needed and more than we really wanted. So right. why not do it on a smaller scale? Right. And then we were also motivated after traveling this past summer and going to WDS. We talk about it a lot, but yeah. it was just, it's, it's a life-changing event. the World event. Domination <laughs> Summit where we just talked about with, uh, with Brooks. Right. And we were inspired by other attendees there who have simplified their lives. And it just kind of motivated us to really kind of live a little bit more purposefully in our life. Right. And we also went to this awesome family reunion my family reunion up in Idaho. They live in uh, northern Idaho, which is absolutely gorgeous. And we did some tubing and some boating and just hanging out on the lake and the ATVing. rivers. ATV. Yeah. I mean, it was just a blast. And I realized that that's when I feel the most alive right. is when we're with family, for one, and when we're outdoors traveling and just kind of experiencing and living life. And right. that's what we wanted to do a little yep. bit more of. Life is really about experiences and not about things. Exactly. And I think that was really one of the driving forces for us to live a simpler life. And then and then also, of course, over the past three years, I've been in dozens and dozens of homes and all different sizes, but people are trapped by their possessions. And I mean, every time I work with a client, Dan could probably attest to this, when I come home, the first thing I want to do is edit something from our home. Yeah, I want to organize, edit, and make our life simpler. Yeah. And these are all good people. They're just Great on, people. They're on a... You know, you get on that path, I guess. and Right. But that's just, you know, again, it's our society. But that's, I just wanted to give you guys some background because that's really the things that have motivated us to and, live a simpler life. And we're going to talk more and more about that stuff in our future podcast. But it definitely leads us into today's topic. We're always on the lookout to learn from people who've already made the move and started simplifying. And two ladies that I've been following for a while did just that. 
They're uh, CC Reinhardt and Brenda Doherty from the blog On the Green Road, which you can find at greenrvlife.com. And of course, I'll put links in the show notes. Yeah, they're great. Cece and Brenda set out to pursue their passions and to live simply. Sounds familiar, yeah, huh? It sure does. <laughs> they uh, downsized their lives. They totally eco-refurbed an Airstream remodel. Which and- is a dream of ours. We oh. love to do an Airstream. Oh, it was so cool. <laughs> yeah. But they lived in it full time. And Yeah, and they traveled all through uh, North America. And now they're transitioning to a 500-square-foot house and planning a complete eco-refurb of that, too, which is really exciting because that's definitely something that we're interested in. And so they blog about health, travel, self-sufficiency, and as they say, anything else that blows their skirts up. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You should really check out their blog and read their uh, read their previous posts about traveling in, in uh, the Airstream and the whole eco-refurb and all that. And then uh, you can also... Hey, didn't they get you into the juicing? Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's right. They uh, <laughs> they did an article about juicing, and that really got me thinking about uh, juicing. And I mentioned last week how inspired I was by uh, that movie, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Right, right. Well, they're the ones who planted the seed in my head as I was reading through their blog. You checked and out that the movie. Hooked on juicing. My gosh, <laughs> I was like, I'm a, like a like a fruit and vegetable <laughs> juice addict. You know? But uh, yeah, great stuff. Thanks for reminding me about that yeah. one. But, but you can check out their older posts when they're on the road. And then I'm really looking forward to um, to all this, the posts about upcoming about the eco reefer oh, yes. of their house because you know that's right up our alley as well. So hey, we might go from 1,200 square foot now to 500 if it's all. <laughs> I don't know about that. I lived in I lived in like 400 square feet. When I lived in Japan, wow, and that was I had to go outside to change my mind. But uh, it was—I mean, it was a great house. But I, that's where I learned a lot about efficiency and, and sure. all that living over there. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. The folks there—they have to do it out of uh, necessity, and and man, they got it down. Right. Yeah, mucho respect going out that way, <laughs> or takasan, I guess would be the word. Takasan. <laughs> Well, Cece and Brenda recently had a guest post from Katie White, who blogs at DIY Mother, and we'll give the link for that in, in a second. But it really was a fantastic guest post, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Her guest post was called DIY Tricks to Make the Most of a Small Living Space. So again, right up our alley. Yes. So the main theme of that was reducing your footprint doesn't have to be uncomfortable. But she also pointed out some advantages of living in a small home, that they use less land and fewer raw materials, they cost less to heat and cool, and you'll be less tempted to fill them in with things that, that you don't need. Yeah, doesn't that tie into what you talked about with Parkinson's Law? Last how we, week, yeah. Right, yeah. and how you know storage requirements will increase to meet the storage capacity. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. if you have a smaller space, you know. I can be tempted. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll kind of, we're, we're going to kind of break down the article that they wrote. And it was a really, that Katie wrote, I should say, and it was a really great article. We're just going to go through a few things, add a few things, and of course, we're going to give you links to um, the blog where Katie writes as well. So we're giving a lot of links on this show. So just kind of hang with us, and of course, they're all going to be in the show (laughs) notes. What do you call it? A little link love? (laughs) A little link love. So she started out in the kitchen, so we'll call this Kitchen Key Points. And Katie started out by saying that small kitchens can be noisy, Crowded little pressure cookers, breeding hot tempers and short fuses. <laughs> Isn't that the that. truth? <laughs> yeah. So she recommends paint your kitchen in light, cool shades to help everyone relax. And if possible, coordinate the entire kitchen in two or three colors to avoid a busy, disorganized vibe. And another simple trick was to increase the visual space in your kitchen by doing some open shelving instead of closed up cupboards. 
Well, that's cool because we have uh, raised Euro-style cabinets so you can see under them and it adds like a visual depth. Yeah, it sure does. Also, we use a mix of solid frosted glass cabinet doors with some solid ones so it kind of breaks it up a little bit and makes it a little bit more open as well, I yeah, think. Yeah, we have some some solid, some glass, and so you get, get a little depth just because you can see a little bit of what's behind that frosted glass. Yeah, and then we, we took... When we redid our kitchen, we took the cabinets too. We got taller ones to really take use, you know, take advantage of that vertical space too. Because we were missing, I mean, there was like eighteen yes. inches of of uh, unused, unused space, space. Yeah. just to put decorations. I much rather have storage space than you know yeah. decorations. But and anyhow, then, and then one other thing we did just to make it look visually taller too is remember we took the backsplash tile that we had the tiny little glass backsplash yes, tile. We uh-huh. took that all the way all up to the ceiling. All the way to the ceiling too. And our tile guy at first was like, he was an Italian tile guy. He's like, no, you don't do that. You know? And, and I was like, well, we're a little different. We're going to do that. <laughs> That's we're what we different. want. He, was great. he did a fantastic job and he was a real nice guy, but we were obviously a little different for him, but that's our design style. Well, you know, and let me point out a couple other really cool things that we've done in our kitchen. And I'm telling you, it's amazing to me where I see this is missing in a lot of the homes that I work in and a lot of these very high-end homes, but they don't have pull-out drawers. You know, they just have their you standard. You mean on the lower cabinets? Oh, in the lower cabinets. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. The lower, yeah, the lower cabinets. There's not like a big pull-out drawer to put your pots and pans in. They're still stacked on a, right. in that cabinet, so it's so you hard gotta to reach. you got to reach down in there oh. and find out what's in that, that crazy back corner. So frustrating, so painful. But anyway, yeah. we've, we've built those in, and so it makes it a lot nicer and a lot easier to, to live in our space. And, you know, another key point, too, is to forego your unitasker appliances. <laughs> yeah, those you know, and, things that only do one thing. Yeah, right. You know, like... We're guilty of that with the juicer, though, but we we use that all the time. That's true. I mean, if you're using it often, but yeah. it's just that one time, like, how often do we really core apples? Right. And we have an apple core? We still have No, I think I got rid of that. Yeah. Yeah, I edit a lot. You know, a knife works just as well, and a yeah. knife can be used for everything in the kitchen. So yeah. that's what we mean by, you know, the multitasker appliances. Yeah, those can stack up. You see a commercial, and it's like, well, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like it's going to simplify your life. And then real, once again, it's that it's that commercialism, that sale of simple. They're selling you simple, it's but really you're not, not buying simple. <laughs> it's really you not. I mean, that's not what you get. <laughs> nope. All right. Yeah. So what's next? What else well, are you talking about? The next thing was uh, the living room. So we'll call this one living room lessons. And she says the easiest way to open up your living room is to get things off the floor. So a lot like the kitchen, instead of clunky bookshelves, try wall-mounted shelves. Good. Small houseplants and lighting can also be placed on walls or on the ceiling. And hanging plants are especially good for small living rooms. Makes sense. Just like in the kitchen and bedroom, light penetration is everything. So remove sofa skirts, try a translucent coffee table, and hang a nice mirror or two to really expand the visual range. If you need new furniture, steer clear of round, rolled pieces. They fill up a room like nothing else. You know, and that's so true. The, the, those couches that have the round, the big, the rolled over arms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what our leather couches used to be. My these leather couches. All... I know. You keep going back to my leather couches. Girl, I was single. All right. Slightly yeah. tacky. No, 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 no. They were okay. They were uh, nice. They were just <laughs> very yeah, masculine. Yeah. That and my Freddie Mercury mustache. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, the but, visual. Yeah. Oh, why'd you do that but, to me? But, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, good good advice, huh? Those. Yeah, and let me add, too, that in a living room, too, it's always good to have multitasking furniture in there, too, like right. ottomans that you can store stuff inside, or mm-hmm. you can even have an ottoman-style coffee table yes. to have storage in yeah. there. And maybe not even ottoman-style, but there's they have these really cool... Uh, coffee tables that kind of fold out, so yeah. there's there's storage inside, so that's a good thing to do. Yeah. As and, opposed to like a Gagnum style um, coffee table, right? What do you mean? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. He's, laughs> yeah. I'm in a good mood. Oh, he is. 
And everything will be referenced back to Gangnam Style. Going Ottoman Style. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, getting serious again. Um, I would also recommend too, Dan, is having wall-mounted TVs. Yes. To kind of to lessen the amount of space that you're using and stuff. If you have that, that can right. lift, lift it off the floor, and and maybe even consider having hanging lamps instead of floor lamps or table lamps. Maybe you can have either hanging lamps or sconces type, you know, style lights right. in your living room. You know, a couple of things that um, that Katie mentioned in 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 that blog post. Uh, that we do is we have wall-mounted shelves. Our entertainment center is raised off the ground, mm-hmm. given that visual depth. And we have one, two, three, three, I think, glass end tables. We do. Uh, yes, we do. Yeah, three. three. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so see that? We're meeting this stuff, and we didn't even, hadn't even known about it. Right. Good stuff. Because <laughs> natural. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned wall-mounted televisions. I don't know where I read it, but this was a couple of years ago. But somebody in, uh, it may have been like at apartment therapy or something. Somebody was trying to decide whether they should get a wall-mounted flat-screen TV or stick with their old huge console TV that they've had because it's still in good shape. But the person who gave them this advice questioned, how much are you paying per square foot for your home? And it was like $350 a square foot, which I think is in New York City is pretty darn cheap. Here, that would be crazy. But the cost of keeping that old TV was actually eating up like nine square feet of space. Oh, I tell it to my clients all the time. And they're like, oh, I'll just use this as storage. I was like, and how big is the storage space now? How much square footage are you using for all your stuff? Okay, so the next thing that Katie talked about was uh, the bedroom. So we'll go over some bedroom basics. The first thing that she said was the simplest visual trick to open up your bedroom is to make your baseboards visible. So stilted furniture, wall-mounted shelves and light fixtures, and a skirtless bed frame can all increase the visual range in a bedroom and make it feel larger. So very similar to the kitchen cabinets we talked about and in the living room. So that's a common theme throughout. She also touched on colors again. Colors such as a single accent wall painted in a bold, darker color can stretch your bedroom visually, especially if it's a smaller wall. Paint the other three walls in light, airy colors that complement the accent wall. The room will feel more open, and it also adds a personal, expressive touch. You remember when we had our bedroom, it was a really dark color in there, and it it seemed like it was a cave. And yeah. then we painted the walls and the ceiling a lot lighter, and it was just it made it just a lot more open. Yeah, we, that was a total redo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. was... But we also have we have a platform bed, and it just really lit, you know so the bed is looks like it's lifted oh, off the ground, yeah. and so it's really it does make it seem a lot more open. And our shelves in there too are on feet. Yeah, they're flo- they're almost like floating shelves too. Yeah, for sure our dresser drawers. So awesome. So that's some of the stuff that she talked about in the bedrooms. So the next thing she went on to talk about was the bathroom. So we're going to call this the bottom line in the bathroom. Bottom line. So you get that? Uh, see what I did there? <laughs> the bottom bathroom. Okay. She says, plumbing makes bathroom renovation a tricky proposition, but you can swap out a bulky vanity for a pedestal sink without too much damage to the delicate habitat of your sink fixtures. Make up for the loss of your drawers with an extra set of wall shelves or a deeper medicine cabinet. To increase the light penetration in your bathroom... Swap out your shower curtain for a clear glass door or a frosted privacy screen to create wall-to-wall visibility. Well, you know, I I absolutely agree with the light penetration comment. Mm -hmm. You know, we certainly want to keep ours more open. But honestly, Dan and I are staying away from glass door, or at least I am, because I don't like cleaning the glass. We have really hard water here, though. Yeah, that's the big thing. We get a lot of lime, and so it builds up real quickly. And so it's just kind of a pain for us. And so we want to design a shower with no curtain or glass. And right now what we actually use is a hospital curtain. We have a rail that's mounted to the ceiling, and the curtain comes all the way down the floor. And we bought it online, and it's a translucent curtain that lets the light through. But we 
we can just throw it in the laundry. Right. It's just, it's awesome because it, we don't need a, a shower line or anything. It's just kind of all in one. Yeah. You know, when you, when you're in, um, you know, like you go to the ER or a hospital or whatever, they have the rails that are on the ceiling and everything just kind of, it's exactly what it track. is. That's what we did. I, I, I went online and I bought that for, I don't know, like the track was like $30 and then it was like $40 for the curtain. And then I actually took it to, I had to buy it too long. We took it to our tailor and sewed it right up and it it works great. But in the, but in the dream home, the 1200 square foot dream home or smaller, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to try to design the shower to where there's no door. Just a walk in. Just a walk in, in, roll in. No door for you. (laughs) No door for you. Right. Textured wallpaper in a light color can create depth that makes a bathroom feel bigger. And finally... To avoid a sense of clutter, limit your bathroom decor to singles. One piece of art, one rug, and one towel per person, etc. I love that. Yeah. You know, we actually, we only have three things on our vanity. We have our Sonicare toothbrush. We just have one Sonicare, but it has the, we have separate heads to switch out for the both of us. Right, we're not that close. I was in a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> He couldn't brush his. He couldn't share a toothbrush with, a toothbrush with yeah. his girlfriend. I can't even talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we also have like this little decorative piece of white coral, and it's so pretty. And then we have the nope. It's you want- faux coral. It's for floral. No, the floral. Yeah, but we, we also have the nope. You know that yeah. that, that yeah, decorative nope. soap. That's <laughs> right. I called it nope, didn't I? <laughs> you did. I named it nope <laughs> because it's that soap that you can't touch. You can't use. Nope. Don't touch the soap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called nope. You can't use that soap. Okay. <laughs> like guest towels, you know. And speaking of towels, does anyone else in the world get frustrated with the narrow towel rod? Yes. I mean, seriously. They're never wide enough to let your towels dry off. We definitely need to design something functional for us that actually allows the towel to hang right. instead of having to fold it over because then it never dries out. I know. What we have now is hooks, and so you hang it on the hook and it doesn't it doesn't dry out either. Yeah. So, okay, maybe yeah. that's just me, but really, <laughs> I have an issue with towel rods. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm Whoever right. came up with those dimensions, I don't know. I'm right there with you. Okay, what's the next thing? The next thing is storage suggestions. All right, and the key to using this is right up your alley. <laughs> so the the key to using your storage space efficiently is to think in three dimensions. Get rid of the junk drawer and use a shoe organizer. Are we talking about the over the yeah, door? Yeah, over the door ones. Like awesome, the, like that you have. Love right. those. You, Vanessa has a really good shoe organizer, over the door shoe organizer video uh, on getsimplifies.com. dot com, and uh, I'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Link love. That's right. So use an over-the-door shoe organizer on your pantry door for odds and ends. It'll keep your drawers and counters clear while leaving scissors, batteries, and pens accessible. And yep. this is just what we do in our hallway closet. Yeah, this, and this is the video I have. I show a video of how I've organized all of our miscellaneous like office supplies because we have a small space. And we don't really have a dedicated office space inside the house. Yeah, yeah so I have a really good uh, video that shows you how I use that. And Katie goes on to um, say, consider a tankless gas water heater. They're much more energy efficient, saving you money and energy. And it makes room for storage space for tools, home repair supplies, and anything that you'd otherwise store in a shed or garage. Which, that's that's cool. Those are gas. Wa- I first had one of those in, uh, when I lived in Japan, too. It was Did the first you? time I ever saw one of those. Nice. It'd be nice to have that here. Yeah, it sure would. <laughs> Dream home. But you know, the, some of the keys to storage I need to mention is just that you know, really only store the things that you really need. Don't just store. You know, you have space in the attic, so let's just store everything in the attic. Just really kind of consider what you really absolutely need, and then maybe you can look for ways to exploit unused areas and some vertical space. 
Now, Dan, he has actually discovered, you know, dozens of square feet in our own home. Hidden in the walls. Hidden in the walls. <laughs> and he's built actual cubbies. And uh, so that might be something to consider if if you're a handy person, you yes. know, and do a lot of DIY. And there may be something on, I don't know, there may be something on uh, the site where Katie blogs at uh, DIY Mother. So That's cool. So anyway, I call Dan Ashley, I call him my, my, my cubby hubby. Yeah. <laughs> and every time she says that, I roll my eyes. <laughs> he's rolling him right now. Hi, cubby hubby. <laughs> no, but he's actually done some amazing things. And I, again, I have another blog post featuring his cubbies because my cubby hubby. Has really that'll be enough of the cubby hubbies. Okay, all right, we're done. Right. But anyway, <laughs> it's like you know nicknames in school; they they might stick. The last thing I want is to be walking around with a cubby hubby hat on. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, all right. Thanks again to Cece and Brenda of On the Green Road for their inspiration on this, and also to Katie White uh, for her guest post over at uh, Cece and Brenda's site at greenrvlife.com. Katie is a writer and handy woman from DIY Mother, and the address for that is diymother.wordpress.com, and of course I'll put that in the show notes. There she blogs with four other gals about DIY projects around the home. And I checked it out, and wow, it is a it's a great resource. And um, Vanessa, you know what you know what I liked absolutely what I liked the best about the site. What's that? It's simple. Oh, each good post, <laughs> yeah, each post is laid out in steps to follow. Easy breezy, lemon squeezy, as our little girl Jordan would say. <laughs> so, way to go, ladies! For for uh, for all those listening, you need to really you should check out her site as well. So, especially if you do some DIY or could use some help doing DIY. That's right. Don't get intimidated, ladies. You can do it. Now, I think it's time for us to talk about our thing segment. Okay, the thing. Okay, and I'm going to go first. All right. Now, I'm going to talk about just briefly about. I'm reading this book called Enough, and it's by Will Davis Jr. I believe, and I really like anything that he writes. <laughs> but in this book, he's kind of he's pretty straightforward. And has an almost in-your-face approach to defining what enough is or what it should be mm-hmm. in our lives. And basically, Western cultures as a whole don't seem to grasp that not only do they have enough, but that compared to the rest of the world, they have way more than enough. Isn't that the truth? And what Will Davis puts into perspective is this. I just saw this, and this is what my thing is. I saw this, and it made me really think, oh my goodness, really? If you have an annual income of $20,000 a year, obviously annual income, you are in the top 11% of the richest people in the world. Wow. If you have 50000 annual, a $50,000 annual income, you're in the top 0.9% of the world. And then if you make $100,000 a year, you're in the top 06 in the world. Wow. So I know that's all relative, but it's pretty amazing when you think about that. It sure is. That's and it's an just, eye-opener. It really is. And he, talks, he also talks about meeting a young gentleman who served in the military and traveled to several different countries and the one thing this young man realized is that we, in Western societies, don't appreciate what we have. Yeah. And I know Dan and I can both certainly attest to this with the many countries and cultures that we were exposed to in our military careers. I remember thinking, wow, we have, we've, we've really got it made back yeah, home. Yeah, we sure do. We've got it made. We are, we are incredibly blessed with what we have, and we have way more than enough. So that's my thing. It's just something to think about. And I think the whole point is just... That one, when I read that, I was already on this path trying to appreciate what I have, but it really, again, it was just another thing that just made me think, okay, let's just really, truly appreciate that what you have probably truly is enough Mm -hmm. and that you really need to kind of focus on that and just appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I think 100% agree how much uh, travel can make you appreciate what you do have. And and, um, the other thing I think is that you really learn when traveling, it's kind of different from your subject, but 
you really learn how much alike we all are, no matter what country that you're from. Right. You know, we are so much more alike than we are different. Right. Family's important. Yeah. Your faith is important. Yeah. You know, your basic survival is obviously important. Right. But I you mean, it's just happy. Well, you, want, you want to be happy. You want life to be fun. Yeah. People are, yeah, they're still having fun. Yeah. Kids are having fun. They're enjoying, I mean, it, we're all. And you know, as of, as of this week, we have, I was looking at some of the stats on, um, for downloads and we have listeners in 22 countries. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So people are still interested in simplifying yeah. <laughs> all okay. over the world. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, no no matter where they fall on that socioeconomic scale, they right. still have an interest in, in living simply. That's, that's amazing. That's very cool. Well, you know what my thing is? What's that? Mine's really, really simple. Or, well, I'm kind <laughs> are of we overusing using that? that one today. <laughs> all right, so mine is very basic. <laughs> it's a, for the last month and a half, I've been on a Facebook fast. Oh, good for you. And you know, I work with companies on social media and all that. And yes. I've always been kind of on the forefront of that. A proponent least. of it, right. Yeah, and a proponent. And I still am. It's I, I just found myself consuming more than I was putting out. You know, it's, so it's, it's, it's not unlike... Consuming physical it, things. Right. It's not like overeating and not right. exercising enough. Yeah. Right. I was just consuming too much and not putting out enough. So I've been on a Facebook fast and I've really enjoyed it. And I'm almost ready to get back on. And I know now that I, when I do, I'll have things more in perspective. It probably will be a little bit more disciplined about it instead of, you know, it's just not checking it constantly the throughout time, yeah. the day. Waiting for a notification to pop up. It's right. really weird. It's Pavlovian. You know, remember the old Pavlov's yeah. dog? And, and uh, you know, you'd see something pop in. And that's why I don't use notifications for email or anything no, like that. No, I don't either anymore. And I didn't use them for Facebook either, to be candid. But um, but I did check it a lot. I physically went to go check it a lot. Right. And I'm certainly not going to do that anymore. It's, well, it I wasn't tell simplifying. My, actually, I was probably just a, a tad more disciplined than you were initially. Yeah. Um, but I would just check it mostly in the morning and then at night. Or if I was just waiting somewhere, you know, at the doctor's office or something like that, you know, if I had a moment. But otherwise, it wasn't like I was tied to it, like I was constantly checking it. I just, I had to be disciplined because it's so easy to get sucked into it. It's just like Pinterest or anything else. You know, you can just get so sucked into it. Next thing you know, two hours have gone by and you've got nothing done. Right. So One thing I do, I guess I'm going to two-thing it this week, but uh, I also wanted to kind of mention the brand new, as of this week, Google Plus Communities. You know, I'm a big proponent of Google+. I really do like that platform a lot. And I don't want to say that I gave up Facebook and I supplanted that with Google+. That's not the case, you know, because the communities just came out. But it's really cool because you can find your area of, of interest. Okay. And honestly, lately, I've had a, a big, huge interest in podcasting. You know, I've always been a consumer of podcasts and listened to hundreds of them, but I've never been a podcast producer really before. So I'm a member of a couple of oh, cool. podcasting communities on there, some online broadcasting, Evernote. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I'm an Evernote fan. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> but um, I really do like the communities function out there, and I think it's a, a fantastic platform. So Great. Well, I'll probably dive into that more in a future episode. But that was just something, you know, the whole thing se- segment is about, uh, you know, what affected you positively this week. So those two things are what really affected me in a positive way. Well, speaking of positive, can we talk about feedback now? Let's do it. Okay. Whenever we get feedback from um, our listeners, we like to highlight that in our in our podcast. So we've got something from Gilbert who said, I just want to let you two know that I just happened upon your podcast and I love it. I just happened upon it a couple of days ago and have already listened to the first four. 
I love the pace of the show and how how down to earth you two are and the topics that you cover are great. I especially like the discussions on keeping a daily routine and the discussion on some of the reasons that we hang on to clutter. But honestly, I found all the discussions to be very good. And wow, I just checked out the show notes and they are a wealth of information on their own. Oh, wow. Thanks. So Gilbert just gave gave us a great idea for a future show and we're definitely going to do it. But for now, we're going to leave you hanging. We're going to leave you hanging on that one. <laughs> We've got. But he, gave, he did give us a really good idea yes. for a future episode. So, so thank you, Gilbert. So, yes, thank you very much. And he closed up with this. He said, Anyways, keep up the awesome podcast. By the way, I'm trying to get my wife to listen to. <laughs> so thanks, Gilbert. We appreciate it. And we'll, we'll try to keep it we up. We will. <laughs> we certainly will because we're having a blast doing it. Yeah. So who else did we hear from, Dan? We heard from uh, another listener. Augusto Pinode, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Augusto, but he said, uh, Dear Vanessa and Dan, love the show. I agree that minimalism is a journey, as you guys shared on the last show, and I decided not to aim for minimalism, but for enough, which coincidentally is the name of Will Davis's book that right. we just talked about. Uh, and he said, enough is a much better term in my opinion. I want to share with you as a tip in the show, a list that I call things I don't need. I think this information might be helpful to your listeners. Well, thank you very much, Augusto. And we put a link in the show notes where you can download a copy of his list and also find links to his books, which are available on Amazon and his website, AugustoPinode.com as well. So check the show notes for that. And he put together a really nice list. And, and thanks, thanks very much for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you very much. So that's it for episode six of Simple Life Together. Today, we learned a bunch about going paperless from Brooks Duncan of DocumentSnap.com. We talked about our dream of living in a smaller home and a great guest post by Katie White on Brenda and Cece's blog on the Green Road. I talked about how good most of us really have it as we discussed in the book enough. And Dan talked about his Facebook fast and the new Google Plus communities. Well, we hope we said uh, something today that inspires you to start living your life in a more simplified way. And we also hope that you'll join us on the journey toward a simpler life in the modern world. And it really is our pleasure to be able to share some ideas and experiences that we are having along the way. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and give us a good review on iTunes. You can find an iTunes link in the show on SimpleLifeTogether.com, and that's where we'll post our show notes as well. And we also do blog posts that are related to the show that may not make it into your uh, podcast feed. We'll also have links to our Twitter and Google Plus profiles and other contact info there too. If you know somebody else who might enjoy the journey... Please pass it on. Yes, thanks. We'd love some feedback, so be sure to leave comments below the show notes. Or if you have access to a computer with a microphone, you can go to simplelifetogether.com. And on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a little microphone icon with the words, send voicemail. Click on that, record us a message, comment or question, and we'll talk about it on a future episode. Feel free to plug your show or your site in your message, and we'll help you get the word out. Of course, you can always just send us an email, too. You can find email links on the website in the sidebar. Either way, we look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, we hope you enjoy your simple life together. Simple life together.